Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Um, I'm excited today because I'm going to be speaking to Teresa Wynn. She is a... um, has an incredible story to tell us. I don't want to give it away, and I want her to explain, you know, what magnificent things she's doing and her positive attitude and her uh, desire to help others. So welcome to the show, Teresa. Hi, everyone. Hi, Lori. Thanks for inviting me for this talk. Well, tell us a little bit about when you were diagnosed with kidney disease. Okay, I was diagnosed when I was 14 years old. It was just very sudden, like I was vomiting that day, and my my mom brought me into the ER, and they did a biopsy, and they found out that I had end-stage renal failure. Wow. Isn't that hard to hear that? <laughs> it wasn't even like... Yeah, it was... It was very shocking. Like, really? What's happening? I don't even understand. So you had to start dialysis immediately? Yes. Once they did the biopsy, they transferred me to a bigger hospital. And the next day, I was instantly, like, went to surgery so they can put a catheter, like, um, around my neck. So it was a hemodialysis for the first two weeks. So you were 14, you had to have emergency hemodialysis. How did your friends and family um, react, or did they support, or just scared, or what was your experience? So immediately they placed me on hemodialysis, and they placed me there for, like, temporary, like, for a month. Then a doctor suggested that I should go on peritoneal dialysis because I was still relatively very young, and they wanted me to still continue school and, you know, kind of live more of a normal life. Um, my mom, it, for my parents, it was very tough. They cried a lot, and it was just so heartbreaking just to see that reaction from my parents, like from my friends and classmates. I, to be honest, I wasn't very open about it just for the fact that I was struggling. It, I was struggling struggling to adapt to the reality so I told like two of my friends about it and it was really nice that they always came to the hospital to visit me but the rest of my school like high school no one knew what's happening and during that period of time I wasn't really open to talk about the illness. Yeah, It's hard because if you can't even digest it how do you actually you know explain it to somebody else and and I know from my experience if I tell somebody oh, you, I have this wrong with me, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry, and they walk away, <laughs> you know, because they can't, they can't deal with it, and it has nothing to do with you. They just can't, you know, cope. So it's, it can be very challenging. Um, how long were you on peritoneal dialysis before you got transplanted? I was on it for three years and a half. And did you get a deceased donor, or did somebody, uh, a living donor, come forward? A deceased donor. So you got called in the middle of the night, or um, <laughs> how, what was that like? Yeah, my mom actually got like a fax or a pager that immediately come to UCI Hospital and like let's like get her checked to see, you know, if it was a match. Like even like today, I don't. Even, <laughs> it's like a blur. It was it was just like a dream. I can't believe it even happened. Waiting for so many years. And you just woke up and 
I mean, I like to use this term, but you peed all you could pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I woke up and there was a bag next to me and there was urine. It was like, what? <laughs> I'm peeing for the first time in four years or three years and a half. So, you know, what really amazes me about you, Teresa, is you've went to college, you've traveled the world, and you need to tell me all the great places you've been. But you've never forgot to take your medications for your transplant. And I find that so commendable. So tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so I went to college at Cassie Long Beach. And when I went to college, I took full advantage of the opportunities that were given to me. In college, I was actually, like, president for the College of Health and Human Services. I was really involved in ASI, being a senator for three years, teaching English in Korea, studying abroad in Italy. And I was always very compliant with my medicine, just for the fact that I would tell myself, like, you know, it might be a little bit inconvenient to wake up at 8 a.m. to take the medicine, but I say, you know what, I have to take this medicine because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be worse in the end because if I miss a dose, I might be on dialysis again, and I remember how difficult it was. So just taking the time to five minutes out of my day to take the medicine will prevent me from being on dialysis again. So it's a constant reminder and I put it in as like that's a way of living. I don't think it. I don't think it is inconvenience. I think it's a life-saving medicine. So I, when I'm taking this medicine, I feel very grateful to take it. So I think the key here is to change your mindset, not to not to take it as like, okay, wow, I can't believe I have to take this medicine again. I change it to a positive thing, like I thank God. I thank the nurses, I think the doctors for, you know, giving me this transplant, giving me a second chance to life. And I don't want to mess, I don't want to um, mess up. Well, well, you know, it is because there are no second chances. You know, I mean, sometimes we don't get a, a second or third chance. We got a second chance with a gift. And I think we forget. I think people forget. They just take their health for granted. And you're, you're so wise beyond your years. I can't believe it that you have that ability to be able to see that. Like, um, it's, it's, it's inspiring, Teresa. Oh, that's so sweet. I also have to thank, like, my nurses, too. My nurse, Debbie, she was very strict on me. I would say very strict, and I would always be very afraid. If I messed up, she would, you know, raise her voice a little. But I was very <laughs> thankful because she put me on track. Like she was like, Teresa, I can't believe you did this. And so, you know, she really, like, my doctors and nurses at age 14 would make a big fuss if I said, I forgot to take my phosphorus. And they, they were like, why would you mess up? You're ruining your life. And for that, I took it as, like, they're my loving parents. Yeah. And I don't want to mess up. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint them. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to disappoint them. And now I realize I don't want to disappoint myself and my parents. I never want to see, you know, my parents go through that again. And I don't want to live. I, I don't want to put myself in a situation like that if I have the option to keep myself alive. And, you know, you've traveled the world. I mean, were your parents afraid? Were you afraid when you traveled to s tell us a few places you've been? I'm, I imagine you have a lot of frequent flyer miles. <laughs> yeah, the key here is fly for free. <laughs> oh, fly for free. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, my my parents are really worried, and my my doctors they nag me a lot about like don't travel. You you potentially can you know catch this foodborne illness or this disease. And I'll be honest, you know, I am afraid. Like a week before, I'm about to fly because it's to the unknown. And I started traveling. It really started when I studied abroad in Italy. When I was in Italy, it just opened my eyes. Like, I love interacting with people and different culture. And when I have some sort of fear, I tell myself, come on, Teresa, you survived kidney disease. What else is there to be afraid of? So I keep that mentality, like, alive in my, in my mind. And that's how I move forward. I feel like after I've gone through such a difficult period in my life, I could do anything now. Like, I'm, I would say I'm a little bit fearless. Like, last week, I did a road trip, drove to Mexico to go to Baja with my friend. And, you know, everyone tells me, Teresa, the drug cartels are going to get you. So I was like, you know, I trust people and I, I, I love people. So I feel like if you have, if you think people are good, people are going to treat you how you treat other people. So that's my mentality. That's your mentality. And when you've been to other countries that, you know, have foodborne illnesses or water, how, how did you protect yourself? Did you just, you know, not brush your teeth? Um, what did you do so you didn't get sick being Im- immunosuppressed? Yeah, I would say the best thing is to be self-aware and be wise about it. Before any country you go, you have to do the research. You have to ask your doctors, ask your peers, have they gone into this country? What have they done? So you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're stuck. So, for example, traveling, I would write down, you know, the drugs I'm taking, the number of my doctors. I would leave a note, like, in case something happened, like, how can someone follow up? Like, okay, so, you know, I'm Teresa Nguyen. I have a kidney transplant. I'm not allowed to, to take this and that. So, in case of emergency, I'm already covered. Mm-hmm. And what's the scariest place you've, you've traveled? Give us a couple of destinations. I have traveled to over, like, 50 countries, and then the scariest, well, I guess I would say the unknown would be, like, Albania or Montenegro, like, Eastern Europe, because I heard many bad things about it, and when I went, it, I think it's in your mind when someone's telling you something negative, you think it's going to happen, but when I went, it was, like, it was so interesting how they lived their life, like, it was very fast-paced. And everywhere I traveled, people stare at me because they haven't seen an Asian American before. So when I would say, like, okay, I'm actually an American, they're like, no, 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 you must be from China. It's like, no, you know, there's Asian people in America. But one amazing place that I traveled to and lived at was Kosovo. I was a volunteer there. I was a nutritionist for Falcon Sunflowers. It's a nonprofit organization where I taught minorities um, introducing new new food to kids, like in the classroom, like apples, like carrots, because they weren't ever exposed to it living in poverty. Wow. You know, that really does, you know, that gives a new level of second chance, doesn't it? We... We go, um, I've been to a couple of different countries where um, I've seen that people don't have as many options as we do. They don't even have an option for transplant. <laughs> and so, you know, you're talking about, well, they've never even eaten an apple. It does give you a lot of gratitude, doesn't it? Yeah, and, you know, 
traveling, I, I don't like just travel and stay in fancy hotels. When I was living in Kosovo, there wasn't running water. There was a limit time there was running water, like 6 a.m. to like 9 a.m. or 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So I think with these barriers I had to overcome, it was more like an adventure, but it's also growth for me, like to be a better person, to be grateful for what I have in the U.S. Right. I mean, when you only have running, running water a couple hours a day, we we get upset when the power goes out for five minutes. <laughs> and we're, we're like, oh, my God, the power's out. And, you know, Facebook lights up because we didn't have the air conditioning on for five minutes. We are, are pretty spoiled. And when you've traveled to these different countries, I mean, 50 countries, and I, I mean, I a whole other show is how to fly for free. I need to understand that. But And you did this in what time span? How many years? I did it from 2009, going to Italy, to to now. So how many years is that? I would say seven years. And you've went to and 50? Was, wow. Yeah. And, and I you to Iceland in November. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, and so you've never, um, have you ever had a, a, an illness in one of these places? Or, you know, we get colds, we do this, but have you ever been concerned? Yeah, actually, when I went to Thailand, I actually had a UTI, and it was very scary because when I go to Asia, like, the big difference that, that bothers me, and I'm I'm still, like, you know, I understand that there's differences, but one hard thing that is hard for me is the toilet system there. You have to pee in a hole. And for me, I think it's just very awkward, and I'm not used to you know, not having a toilet. So I would hold, you know, when I had to urinate, I would hold it in. So that's when I had a UTI and I was like submitted to a hospital with IV. That that was a little bit scary. And I just realized, you know what, like if I have to urine, I will urine no matter where I'm at, no matter what the toilet is, I'm just going to do it. I don't want to kill my kidney. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, and I, I, you know, I had knee replacements, so I think Thailand might be off the, um, um, off my my list of places to go because I, I don't know. And you know, you brought up a point. Um, your your deceased donor. Do you know anything about your deceased donor? No, I don't. Oh, it's because I say maybe you're another nationality, and you don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my ki- my kidney, I named her Kiki. <laughs> oh, okay, Kiki. That's a cute name. I know it's funny how we name our kidneys, and you know they do become like a, a an intimate relationship because, and you got to treat it like that, and that's what you're doing by taking your meds and and you know taking care of yourself. So, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. You um you have a new job that you're starting. Yeah, I'm about to embark in a new job. I'm going to be working as a dietary supervisor assistant where I'm going to manage the dietary staff and nursing home. And what I really like about that is it gives me an opportunity to learn more about management and leadership as I'm studying to be a RD, a registered dietitian. Mm-hmm. So maybe hopefully one day I can be a director of the nutrition services at a hospital or any place who needs me. And what is your next travel destination? I'm planning to travel to Iceland and Montreal. Wow. So that's this this next year? This upcoming year. In Iceland, I'm going with a couple of friends. In Montreal, I'm actually visiting a friend I met randomly on a bus. 
when I was in Thailand. So that's one thing I love about traveling that, you know, it just gives you a chance. Like everyone that you meet along the way is so open-minded that you can meet for one day and become best friends. Facebook's really good at, you know, connecting friendships. It is. It You know, I have a few people that I've met that way. And it is. It's 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 incredible because they bring so much enrichment to your life by just learning about their cultures their backgrounds and you know you you're you, I, my mouth is open right now i'm like wow 50 countries have managed your transplant medications all of your health issues had just a yi2yi not like i'm trying to diminish that but that's something you can get in the us so you're feeling good and everything's going well according to the doctors yeah, they said all my labs are excellent, and they keep telling me to do what I'm doing. So oh. I, it's it's a relief. Well, I guess the um, prescription for you is to travel, stay active, and enjoy life. So, um, well, Teresa, you're such an incredible role model. You've got a college degree. You've traveled the world. And I guess I just have one follow-up question. Do you have a boyfriend? I do have a boyfriend. Teresa, you are so inspiring because... You've traveled the world, you're healthy, you have one of the best things is a good attitude. I mean, it's all about if the glass is half full or half empty. And I love what you said about um, it's a very small inconvenience to get up and take your meds because you know how much you suffered with dialysis. And I think that that message needs to resonate more because I've learned, and I think you know this, but there are a lot of younger kids who do not take their meds and lose their transplant. Oh, wow. And this, this happens because they think they're invincible. And then what happens is, is that they build antibodies. They may lose the chance of ever getting a transplant because they created such a high antibody count in their body from their body rejecting the kidney that they end up going back on dialysis and are not a good candidate for transplant in the future with our current medical technology. And this is a huge problem among mostly younger people who get a transplant. So one thing, um, you know, maybe we talk about it in the future, but how do we correct this? I mean, I've, I, as a kid, have always wanted to take my meds. I'm now 50. I'm not a kid, but I've been a patient since I was two years old. You're one of, uh, of those examples of somebody who knew that they needed to take care of themselves with their meds. How do we how do we get this message out to other kids? What can you tell them? I would say, like, maybe, you know, they need to establish, like, a buddy system. Because going through this disease, I think it's very hard to manage it on your own. Like, I feel like there needs to be, there needs to be more programs, like, to reun- reunite people who have a similar illness. And then, you know, they can have, like, a mentor that inspires them. Because one thing that, an advice that I wish someone could have given me was, you know, other opportunities that I could have spoken to someone else because I have always felt very alone. And having that, mind, like, feeling alone, I think, feeling alone and not having someone to support you or understand your condition is very hard to deal with, like, taking your medicine. So I think one thing kids can hopefully find a program like that or just reach out and meet a friend you know i think it's it's you know you program your phone but to really realize that 
you have to be the one that reach out and try to find support because sometimes it's just not always there until you seek it. And I'm so glad that I met you through this meeting. And now I hope you consider me a support and call me if you need something. Yeah, thank you so much. No, not, now I'm very open about my disease. I tell everyone because I know if you speak up about it, you can inspire another person. And I just feel so thankful for even sharing my story. Well, thank you, Teresa. Um, I look forward to following you on Facebook, seeing your many adventures. And I can't wait to what you you complete in your next chapter of life. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.